I don't like particularly attending meetings, business meetings. It's one of my pet hates. Everyone seems to be compelled to speak in TLAs. You know the sort of thing. HRM has stated that every FTE must complete their PDR by EOD. <laughs> what does it mean? Any ideas? Should ask Mr. Cuthbertson, he's the author of these things. Human Resources Manager has stated that every full-time equivalent must complete the professional development and review by the end of the day. Or how about IMO, the KPI is ROI in the YTD. No? In my opinion, the key performance indicator is return on investment in the year to date. The CEO said at the AGM that each PTE could WFH till EOM. The Chief Executive Officer said that at the annual general meeting, each part-time equivalent could work from home until the end of the month. TLAs, who'd have them? By the way, a TLA is a three-letter abbreviation. <laughs> now, I'm young enough, or old enough, to remember an advert on television for PAL. P-A-L. Remember it? Prolongs active life. Can I tell you it doesn't work? I ate tins of the stuff and it did me no good. But about that time, I had a, a friend who would speak in TLAs long before they were popular. He would just make them up on the spot. And you were left puzzling as to what they meant. To me, often, they made no sense at all. But here's a TLA that does make sense. TNT. John? You're very wrong, because it's not trinitrotoluene, but it's this TNT, the New Testament, because that's what it is. The New Testament is explosive. It's powerful. It can blast open a way where there was none. It can bring about the most incredible changes, the New Testament, TNT. In today's reading, thanks Catherine for today's reading, I have to tell you she was very worried about some of these words, and I said, you know, don't worry about it. If anyone questions you, just say, but that's how it's pronounced in ancient Greek. <laughs> but in today's reading, we hear about the power of God being released on a, a feeble group of failures. The apostles who'd been waiting in Jerusalem, waiting for something to happen, waiting for power, God's power, to come to them. Everyone wants power. The world wants power. Power over individuals. Power over the vulnerable. Power over those who are different. Power over nations. Cliff Richard in uh, an earlier ill-fated Eurovision campaign sang it, didn't he? Power to all our friends. Helen, don't join in. John Lennon. Power to the people. And Jesus promised it. When the Spirit comes, you shall have power. But what sort of power? 
Well, in his sermon last week, Gordon mentioned it. He used the Greek word for power. You remember it? There it is. It's the Greek word dynamis. And it's from this word that we get our word dynamite. See, I told you. It's TNT. And from the earliest times, people have sought power and have used power. You remember the people of Babel? They wanted power. They wanted to show off how mighty, how powerful, powerful they were. So this plan, they're going to build a tower. Not just any tower, but a great big tower. Much bigger even than Burj Khalifa in Dubai. A tower that's going to reach up to heaven. But their motivation was all wrong. They were wanting to use power in a bad way to show how good they were. And what were the consequences? The tower was destroyed. Instead of speaking in one voice, they started speaking in different languages so they didn't understand one another. They didn't know what was being said. Instead of being one group, they became scattered, a disparate people. Instead of trusting in God, they had trusted in their own abilities. How different. What a contrast the day of Pentecost. Instead of God's judgment, the followers received God's blessing. Instead of being scattered, they became a united people. Instead of a, a babble of noise, they were able, under, able to understand what was being said. Pentecost brought praise to God, not to man. And at Pentecost, people submitted to the will of God. And at Pentecost, people received God's dynamis, God's power. The power of God. God's Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' followers at Pentecost. It brought about a change, a dramatic change in their outlook. They moved from sadness to joy, from waiting and watching to doing and speaking, from survival to revival. You don't believe me? Just have a look at Peter. Couldn't it be a greater change in a person than there was in Peter that day? Just seven weeks earlier, in the early hours of the crucifixion, Peter was near the fire. And then we find Matthew telling us that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. He warmed himself at the fire. Then it was Peter in the fire when he failed to live up to his boast and deny Jesus three times. But in the day of Pentecost, is Peter on fire, empowered by the Holy Spirit, preaching to a crowd of mockers and cynics. Paul put it like this, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So what about us? Are we like Peter? Well, I know I certainly am. 
all too often happy to follow Jesus at a distance, present, but not really involved. Are we trying not to get our fingers burnt? Or do we want power? And I guess for most of us, we'd have to say, of course we do. One of my favorite easy-watching films, I don't know if that's a term, can you get an easy-watching film? You know how you can easy-listening music? Anyway, one of the favorite films that I like to watch is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now, if you don't know the film, the story has the eponymous hero uh, seeking the Holy Grail, and he encounters uh, on his travels a group known as the Brotherhood of the Cruciform, Cruciform Sword. And it's their mission for over a thousand years to do all they can to save and to protect the Holy Grail. And at one point, uh, India is face to face with one of the Brotherhood, Kareem. And Kareem asks him this question. He says, why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for His glory or for yours? And we could paraphrase that. Why do you seek the power of the Holy Spirit? Is it for His glory or for yours? You see, some of the gifts of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit seem very exciting. Wouldn't it be great to get a hold of them? They would raise our street cred or our church cred. It'd be great to be able to speak in tongues or have the gift of prophecy or even better of healing. Hey, people would say, what a wonderful Christian she is. I wish I could be like him. I hope one day I'm able to preach a sermon like that. Years ago, I was listening to a very, very gifted speaker and he said that when he stood at the door of the church and people are leaving and shaking his hand and saying, wonderful service, that sermon was absolutely fantastic. He would pray quietly, keep me humble, Lord. Keep me humble. It's a refrain from the song the band were singing earlier, Galatians 2 and 20, yet not I, but through Christ in me. So, do you want dynamis? Do you want that power? Be warned, dynamite can be dangerous if it's not handled properly. As an undergraduate student studying chemistry, I sauntered into the lab one day carrying this bottle of picric acid. And this um, older, postgraduate student looked askance and said, don't you know that's a contact explosive? If you shake it, it's likely to blow up. Well, my hand shook even more <laughs> as I tried to put it onto the bench. Dunamis can be dangerous. It can lead us into dangerous situations. It takes us where we don't necessarily want to be. It takes us out of our safe zone, our comfort zone. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowers us not to tower above people, but to serve people. 
1 Corinthians 12 speaks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they're there to serve. And the Holy Spirit comes to us most frequently, not in the spectacular, but in the mundane things of life. Just look at where the story of Pentecost appears in the Bible. It's at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. In other words, it's between Acts chapter 1 and the end of chapter 2. What was happening in chapter 1? The apostles were gathered together having a business meeting, the first Kirk session. And in chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, they're there serving the needy, the poor. They're looking after others. And unless the Holy Spirit is in the middle of our discussions on the PPP, the Perennial Presbytery Plan, and Cafe Clear and the Food Bank, then there's something far wrong. Unless the Holy Spirit is at the center of all that we do, we're powerless. No more than a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In the song, the Servant King, Graham Kendrick encourages us to learn how to serve and in our lives enthrone Him. Each other's needs to prefer, for it's Christ we're serving. The power God offers us is the power to serve. It's the power to speak into the, the brokenness and the, the tragedy of our world. It's the power to stand up and to stand beside those who can't stand for themselves, the poor, the abused, the exploited, the alien, the sick, the bereaved, the imprisoned. And often it's not a comfortable situation. Often we're taken out of our comfort zone. So again, I ask you, do you really want that power? And ask yourself, am I willing, am I really willing to use that power? On that Pentecost, many years ago, the Holy Spirit enabled people to hear the message of God in their own language. Jesus didn't, doesn't ask many of us to preach the gospel in different languages, but He does expect all of us, and I mean all of us, to share the gospel in our own language. On that day, 3,000 were convinced of their need of a Redeemer, and they were saved. Oh, for just a wee bit, even a wee bit of that power today. But don't just sit there wishing and waiting. That power, that dynamis, that dynamite, that TNT is here, right here, right now. problem is, it takes you to detonate it. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let's pray.